Hi everyone, thank you so much for letting us be here today. Scott and I have an incredible passion for women in mining, and so we're going to kind of give you a synopsis of what was and, and what is as far as women in mining in Montana Tech. So to start out the presentation today, I am Shannon Penisco. This is Scott Rosenthal. Um, Montana Tech, um, I'm sure many of you know, was established um, with the Enabling Act in 1889 when Montana became a state and 100,000 acres were dedicated for a college of uh, mining science. When it opened in 1900 on September 11th, we had one building, Main Hall, two degrees, mining engineering and electrical engineering, both self-serving, one to produce more mining engineers and the other to produce electrical engineers to electrify the mines. And while there are conflicting reports, there were either 17, 21, or 39 students that first day. What we know for sure is that of those students, two of them were women. Um, there's also another female who took courses but didn't graduate, who um, had a, an interest in architecture, but the two that we're going to focus on today were specifically our two first female graduates of Montana Tech, Claire Clark and Isabel Little. So Claire Clark was a Butte girl. She was not only one of the first female students at Montana Tech, she was the very first enrolled student at Montana Tech. She was the daughter of H.S. Clark. Um, no relation to W.A. Clark, though um, H.S. went on to do a, a mine deal with Joe Clark, his partner, um, when they sold their zinc mine um, to the, uh, sold their Blackrock claims to Butte and Superior Mining Company, which ended up being the largest zinc mine in Butte and then owned by W.A. Clark. So it gets a little confusing as far as the connections and, and the last names. Uh, Clara was already enrolled at MSU when the possibility of enrolling at Montana Tech happened. Because of her family history in mining and the fact that by all accounts she'd already helped with some consulting with her dad as she was growing up, um, that's what led to her being the first student that was enrolled. While she was at Montana Tech, she was a good student, she loved mining. Upon graduation, she's credited with establishing the Alumni Association for the Montana School of Mines, along with Isabel Little, who we'll visit on. Now, in 1904, she went on to graduate with Isabel. And unlike Isabel, for quite a few years, she worked in the mining industry along with her dad. She was the first woman um, to be able to attend the American Mine Caucus. Um, down in um, El Paso, Texas. She was chosen by Montana to represent at the convention. She was also given a lifetime membership to the American Mining Congress. Um, in an interview while she was there, because she was kind of looked at as a bit of a pet, being this woman in mining and the only woman that was at this convention, they really lauded her as the only woman mining engineer. And the wonderful thing that I found within our research about both Clara and Isabella is every opportunity that came up, they credited the other. They made sure that they realized that they weren't the only woman, that they had had a support system. And as a matter of fact, she's quoted at the convention as saying, that's not true. I graduated with Isabel Little, who was the top of my class, as well as another woman who graduated from the mining school in Golden, Colorado. In 1907, 
She went on to marry Herbert J. Reese of Livingston. They moved to Denver. When she was in Denver, um, I had the opportunity to visit with her granddaughter, Louise Bowley. And Louise shared that the family lore is that she helped her brother, Will, at the United Verde Mine in Jerome, Arizona. And it, quite honestly, it was because of Clara that that mine was successful, though Will ended up getting the credit. She had three daughters, Esther, Grace, and Ruby, and at the time she had her children, she no longer pursued mining. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until after she passed that Louise and the rest of her um, cousins found out about their grandma's mining past. She passed in Los Angeles in 1959. Our other first female graduate is Isabel Little. Now, Isabel, by all accounts, is the very definition of moxie. Isabel graduated from high school in Maryland, came out on a trip with her mom and stepdad to the West, and her, her aunt Esther lived in Butte. She convinced her aunt to let her stay. Her parents went back to Baltimore, and as soon as they got back, she convinced her aunt that she wanted to study mathematics at the new School of Mines. By all accounts, her aunt was fairly connected, so she used what social currency she had to grease the wheels and get her niece into the university. And once she started her curriculum, she fell in love with mining. She switched from mathematics to mining and pursued the degree. She ended up graduating in honors. She was described as a beautiful blonde and one of the smartest in the class. Um, her parents did not know that she started at the university and she was in for a whole six months before she went back home and had to convince her dad who was a civil engineer and he loved his daughter and decided to support her convinced her mom and she was able to return and continue her degree um, while she was enrolled she worked underground as far as studies in the Ofer, the Calusa Parrot and the Never Sweat Mines and then at graduation, she talked about the hardships. She attributed most of them to the fact that she had to wear dresses because that was propriety at the time, but also the superstitions. At the time, miners thought that um, the presence of a woman in the mine uh, would bring disaster in the form of an accident, an explosion, a cave-in, and specifically, redheads that were harbingers of death. She wasn't, but I am. <laughs> Isabel graduated with honors, like I mentioned. She was mentioned in the national news and featured there, at which time, again, they said that she was the only female mining graduate, and she corrected them and said that she was not. So was her friend, Clara Clark. Uh, she stated that her intent was to travel back to Maryland and go into business with her dad, though there's no record of her doing so. We do know that she married Leon Clark Stevenson, who she met at the School of Mines. For a time, they lived in Oregon when he worked at a mine in Sumter, Oregon. Um, professionally, the last mention of Isabel notes that she worked for the Federal Reserve Bank in Virginia. Uh, she and Leon had two children, a boy and a girl, and she ended up passing in November uh, of 1936. So, those were two of our first students were females. They were, by all accounts, the first female mining engineers in the country. So it's something that's incredibly, we're incredibly proud of. It's something that we can write about. The problem is, from 1904 to 1966, we had no female graduates in anything. 
1966, we finally had our next female graduate in metallurgy, and it wasn't then again until 1972 that we had an undergraduate female in mining. Part of that problem, see, this is, I'm only going to spend a very short time on Mr. Thompson. Uh, Francis Thompson was the president of Montana Tech from 1928 to 1950, and he openly touted during his tenure that there would never be a female graduate while he was there. So you have one of the top engineering schools in the West, and all of the women that are attending treated as a junior college, where they go for their first two years and they get their foundational classes, and then they transfer to another university so that they can go on and get their degree. So you can see here, as far as the chart, starting in 1900 to where we are now, as far as general enrollment, and then the cover is female enrollment and graduation. And at this point, I'm going to turn it over to my esteemed colleague, Scott. Thank you, Shannon. In the 1930s, they introduced um, social courses. And that's where we'd start to see, let's see this works. Oh. Women starting to attend Montana Tech but not graduating from Montana Tech. There's 1972, when we get our first enrolled female back into mining engineering. So from 1972 to, to now, um, again, the top line is total enrollment for mining engineering. The bottom copper colored line is female enrollment for mining engineering. Uh, when we submitted the abstract at the time, we had 25% female in the department. Um, we've kind of tailed off the last couple of years for a variety of reasons. Mostly we graduated all of the, the good females and we're trying to recruit new ones. So I uh, want to touch on some of our female graduates. Johanna, she's from Montana, um, near Belt. Uh, graduate mining engineer employed in Salt Lake City with Rio Tinto um, at the Kennecott Copper Mine, a large open pit copper mine. Joyce Courage, she's on the right. Joyce is an exceptional young lady. Um, she is originally from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Uh, she went to Tucson to visit an aunt, where she enrolled in Pima Community College and did a whole bunch of prereqs and then transferred to Montana Tech through a connection with myself and a, her other uncle. Um, but in just a little over four, and a, four years at Montana Tech, she not only finished her uh, BS, but she'll graduate in December with her Master's of Engineering. Um, and she's employed with Kiwit, a large civil um, contractor also has a mining division. Julia Spears came from California, came up, knocked her degree out in four years. Um, most of these young ladies finish their degrees in four years. Most of our males don't. <laughs> I don't know if they're more focused, they're smarter when they come in somehow, but they, they knock it out of the park. Uh, Julia returned to California and is an uh, associate mining engineer. Uh, Deb Keeland, uh, actually dual degreed, got a BS in environmental engineering and then did one more year of, uh, to get her master's in mining engineering. Deb's went to work since graduation and currently she's group 
Continuous Improvement Manager for Granite Construction. So pretty high up in the chain. Jess Volley, here she's playing with explosives underground. Um, she's a Butte native. Um, she completed two other underground internships and now she's an underground mining engineer with Nevada Gold Mines in Northern Nevada. Angie Oakry, she spent 17 years open pit coal mining in Gillette in the Powder River Basin. And now she's executive director of the Wyoming Miners Hospital Board. And the Wyoming um, Miners Hospital Board was set up to help any um, coal miners in Wyoming that are affected by respiratory illness, if it's black lung or anything else. Irene Atang, she actually got her uh, Bachelor's of Science at the University of Mines and Technology in Tarqua, Ghana. She worked for uh, Goldfields Ghana for about eight years. Then she decided she wanted to come to America, get her master's at Montana Tech, and now she's an underground mine engineer at Nevada Gold Mines. She didn't give us a facial. This is Emily Rose, um, one of my first grad students once I started at Tech. She actually got her bachelor's in science in geological engineering at Ole Miss, the University of Mississippi. But during field camp, she fell in love with the West. And then she got an internship at Nevada, but she had to be enrolled for a master's program. And through some connections, we got her enrolled at Montana Tech. Um, since she's graduated, she's worked geotech, which looks after the stability of openings in the ground. She's currently with Barr out of Salt Lake City. Madison. Alaska girl came down to Montana Tech, did not attend the University of Alaska Fairbanks. If you've ever been to Fairbanks, Butte's a lot cooler than Fairbanks. <laughs> and not as cold in the winter. Uh, she completed her bachelor's and master's within five years. Um, and you can tell by her write-up, her master's thesis was on communication and mining. So she uh, talks, talks well. She's currently an underground mine engineer at the Pogo Mine back in Alaska. Um, that's a rotational position and she really likes it because it's two weeks on for work and two weeks home with family. So, Wendy Straub, she uh, spent some about uh, 10 years at the Stillwater Mine here in Montana, then went down to southwest Wyoming uh, in the potash fields, and now she's director of shafts and hoisting at the uh, Sanford Underground Research Facility. Jamie Dwyer, uh, she completed a computer science and a mining engineering degree concurrently. She started with NIOSH, National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health in, in Spokane, spent about 10 years there. Moved on into the mines in nor northern Nevada, initially with Barrett Gold. Uh, after a period of time there, decided to focus on family, and currently she's doing a bit of consulting on the side. Uh, our next two poster children are kind of where we began. <laughs> Just realized that you probably did that on purpose, didn't you? I didn't. Um, just as, as Clara and Isabel <laughs> were, had their uh, support structure, these, these next two gals uh, uh, epitomize that as well. First is Mackenzie O'Neill, another Butte native. She started on under, underground mining in, in northern Nevada. She had spent three summers there working as intern. Um, her uncle used to work there, which helped out. Uh, 
gives you support when you go from someplace like Butte to Northern Nevada anyways. She's now at the Hale Gold Mine in South Carolina, so she's not afraid of being adventurous. And then Johnny Ann Thompson, the other ironic part is we've got a redhead to close out with. <laughs> Johnny Ann's from, <laughs> uh, from Lincoln, Montana. Her, her father's a heavy civil con uh, contractor over there. Um, she started working at Hecla Greens Creek in, in Alaska. Started as an engineer, she's been promoted to engineer two, and now she's the automation lead in converting the mine to autonomous operations. So she's in charge of taking people out of the mine and letting the mach machines do all the work. And so she's probably running four or five machines by herself right there in the comfort of her office. Looking forward, we need more mining engineers. We want to go green, we want to have green power to supply those green systems. We need copper, we need silver, we need more metals. So we're always looking for more and more mining engineers. In the U.S. between 2015 and 2020, some five years, we went from graduating 1,500 mining engineers nationally to 715. That's partly why we can attain 100% placement is there's lots of jobs in the mining industry and it's being fueled by our needs of society today. I guess we'll save that for later. Thanks to the World Museum of Mining for a photo of a bunch of ladies at one of the head frames. Uh, we do want to thank all the, the people that supplied information. This is by no means all of the females. This is all the females I contacted, so we had a 100% response rate, but there's many, many other graduates of uh, females that are out there.